0: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars
1: universe. Hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast where we discuss the canon versus legend lore of the Star Wars universe. I am Austin, also known as Teacup. I am one of your hosts for this podcast.
0: And I am your other host, Ben of Tamaria.
1: Yeah, and so we're continuing on in a series about starfighters, which are my favorite part of the Star Wars universe, after lightsabers, of course. I mean, who doesn't want a lightsaber?
0: Right? Like, out of everything, when I think I want something from the Star Wars universe to be true, it's either one will be starfighters. No, sorry, lightsabers. Number two is droids, because I'm a sucker for astromechs. I need my own astromech. They're awesome. Uh, and three is starfighters, because why not have a, you know, personal spaceship to go around the entire galaxy in like a blink of an eye.
1: Yeah, it's great. So last week we talked about the X-Wing. And so we've done the Imperial Star Destroyer that does not destroy stars. Um, And then you have the X-Wing. So where are we going next?
0: So this week we are going to go over the counterpart to the X-wing. We're going to be talking about the Tie Fighters.
1: Uh, the Tie Fighters—probably one of the more iconic sounds of Star Wars.
0: Oh yeah, that. I'm I'm not even trying to attempt <laughs> the sound. I almost did,
1: <laughs> but it's like a scream. I think it's like, is like a. Crying. As it's a like a s-
0: yeah, it's like a screeching scream, kind of a like a wailing spirit almost. But uh, as as always, we are going to start with the legends portion of the history of the Tie Fighter. So the basics: Tie Starfighter were designed at some point after twenty two B B Y, and was inspired by the number of other Imperial Starfighters manufactured by Sennar uh, Fleet Systems. Uh, which, collectively known as the TIE series. And as you see the movies, or even any of the shows, you notice there are... You know the standard TIE fighter that is most commonly used, but there are so many different variations of this TIE fighter. Like, at least a dozen, almost two dozen different like versions of this one flipping ship. It is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tie Fighter. Just you think it's when you think of a Tie Fighter, you think of this basic one, but I guess they're all Tie Fighters, even though they do have different <laughs> names.
0: Yep, yep. And we'll go that. On, uh, we'll go into that in the episode. But yeah, they're they're all considered Tie Fighters, even though they're not normally called just Tie Fighters. So, the TIE line fighter was one of them and replaced the original model of the standard fleet fighter in the Empire. While the original TIE had performance uh, partly with heavier built X-Wings, the newer TIE LN boosted improved engines and more powerful weapons suppressing, surpassing contem- contemporary rebel fighters. So... The LN series, the uh, TIE LN, is the most common TIE fighter that we all see. It has, you know, boosted engines so they can move extremely fast. But as we will go further on, there are... It's a double-edged sword. Full-on double-edged sword for them. Um TIEs would... uh would be used in the massive numbers throughout the Galactic of War and would be regarded by many as a symbol of the Empire. Some ties th- fell into the hands of the rebellion, who would sometimes use them to infiltrate Imperial facilities. It has been intended that the TIE LN would be replaced by the Titan's Interceptor as a direct result to the T 65 X Wing Starfighter owned by the Lightspeed Panthers, outperforming them in the Fehu campaign, resulting in 286 destroyed ties. Indeed, Interceptors began to see greater use around the time of the Battle of Endor, but the collapse of the Imperial government into sexualism uh, precluded this. Ooh, words are hard. So, as we said in the last episode for the X-Wings, there was the uh, Fehu campaign, campaign where they only had like a couple dozen tie fight or uh, x-wings and but they took down almost 300 tie fighters and this showed the superiority of the x-wing compared to ties and then you know the empire hey we're gonna make something better so we're gonna make tie interceptor which are like the wings are like if you see me on camera, if you're watching the uh Twitch channel, they're like a V pointed out t- towards the cockpit on both wings.
1: Yeah, it's like little blades on the end as opposed to like squares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, like I can't remember because in some games they give TIE fighters rockets.
0: True, and I want. I don't
1: wonder... know. I think that's a game mechanics,
0: and most of the time, because I don't
1: know if they I think have. The I, don't yeah, if I, they have...
0: So. I don't think they have rocket tubes or anything oh. on.
1: Well, especially if the X-wing can only. It's not till like well after the rebellion that the X-wing begins to handle more than two proton torpedoes. True. Um, and so I mean, t- Red Squadron. I think they go up to red 12 in a new hope. I, mm,
0: I think so, but don't quote me on that. I don't remember right. how many.
1: I can't remember either, but like there's not a lot of them and they no. take down the Death Star. Yeah. Um. And like most of most of them are personally taken out by Vader.
0: Mm-hmm. That is true.
1: Uh, and and They're the other ones, not really a lot of them are taken down by regular TIE fighters. They're taken down by Vader or they're taken down by uh, um, the turbo lasers.
0: Yep, because there's way too many turbo lasers, (laughs) Um, even in the trench. But yeah, and then talking about Vader's tie, like his tie is its own unique version of the tie in in itself, which is insane.
1: His tie is probably closer to an X-Wing because it has shield generators, Mm it has hyperdrive, it has all kinds of stuff.
0: Literally everything he used when he was in the Clone Wars. Oh, would you look at that? Right.
1: (laughs) And another thing about, like, one advantage to the TIE, to the X-Wing is that it has a seat for an astromech. True. And so it can re- perform on mid-repairs. hmm And the TIE Fighter can't. Once the TIE Fighter is damaged, hm. there's no, like, fixing it mid-battle.
0: Yep. Good luck. Good, good luck on um, if you can survive.
1: <laughs> right. But anyway... They are very useful in large numbers as shown in Rebels when Hera and Phoenix Squadron try to go to Lothal and they're just wiped out by probably like 300 to 500 ties.
0: Yep, it's it's not a good... Yeah, them in numbers is one thing. But um, as the Galactic Empire retreated, more and more facilities found themselves behind... Uh, New Republic lines and ceased production. The New Republic made limited use of the capture ties, equipping them with shields and assigning them to sectors where they weren't considered a symbol of the Empire. Most of the notable use of the New Republic service was the Battle of Aldumar. Uh, capture tie fighters were also used for the deceptive pur- purposes, such as during the mission to Bre- Brevelf, Bre... Pre-5th Belt 4? I think that's how you say it. Uh, by the time the Peace Treaty was signed, the Empire, now known as the Imperial Regiment, um, began to use export starfighters manufactured by other races, such as Sol- uh Solar Subs Corporation Bird class starfighter because they lacked the manufacturing facilities to build new TIE Fighters. Ooh.
1: And this is something that um, is a little different when we were talking about Star Destroyers because the New Republic would capture Star Destroyers and mm-hmm. utilize them. But in Legends, they did not with the TIE Fighters. They decimated the TIE Fighters. Um, which makes sense when you have a superior, when what you think is a superior aircraft. They like destroy TIE Fighters Fighters, or they scrap them, so mm-hmm. it's really difficult for the Imperial remnant to manufacture TIE fighters.
0: True, and I mean, and there's also the fact that, like, the star destroyers themselves if you had anybody in the New Republic who served in the Clone Wars and, like, served, say, on a the narrator class starship or star destroyer, quote unquote, the, the layout's almost the same. I mean, they're they're compared to Star Destroyers. The Star Destroyers were well, like heavy fortified ships. They can transport multiple things, including troops, rations, medical supplies, whatnot. Ships, but Ties, like you know, they get shot. They, they just they just blow up. That's it. <laughs> just takes one good shot, and that's all you have. So, uh, some of the characteristics of the TIE, uh, the TIE Fighter was, uh, was original design later upgraded uh, TIE models, such as the TIE SA Bomber, so the TIE bomber, bomber, the TIE IN Interceptor, the TIE D Defender, and the TIE D Automated Starfighter, and many more. And, like, you know, the TIE Bomber, the TIE Interceptor, the TIE Defender, if you ever play any of the... Um, Star Wars Rogue Squadron games um, there was the Star Wars just squadrons on that recently came out a couple years ago that you can play all these ships, the bomber the interceptor, the defender, which they added later with the sta- in the standard tie.
1: did they ever like shore up the cross play on Star Wars Squadron because it was real buggy cool. when I first played it
0: see I haven't played it probably since launch i haven't either and that was like 2019 no 2020 i think 20 something it was like 2020 when it came out
1: yeah because i lived i had moved from chicago at that point so Mm -hmm. i moved in 2020
0: so yeah i have no idea about that one but you can play all those ties and squadrons if you want to if you want to play a newer game um, the TIE, uh, the TIE Fighter was a descendant of the TIE Starfighter, the, and the V-Wing Starfighter, both developed by the Galactic Republic, and was manufactured by CINAR Fleet Systems, and by Star- TIE Starfighter, it's, it's, TIE is an acronym, um, I can't remember what the acronym stands for in TIE, but, um, if you know what the V-Wing is, the V-Wings are pretty cool. Pretty cool uh Starfighters. They weren't very they weren't like heavily used, if I recall.
1: No. Um, the first time we see them is in Revenge of the Sith. Okay. And they're seen escorting the shuttle that Palpatine is transporting Anakin back to Coruscant in. Oh god, it's just not till the very end of the film. <laughs> yeah.
0: I never noticed that. So, addition to the TIE and the V-Wing, it was also descended from the TIE Starfighter, the first TIE model developed for the Galactic Empire, the namesake for the fighter and the line of the Sinar fleet systems, the PS4 Twin Ion engines that acted as its engines. However, it was also, uh, to some degree, was named after an item of clothing due to the overall shape resembling, <laughs> resembling a bow tie.
1: So we are now, we have canonical proof, well not really because it's legend, but that exists in the Star Wars universe.
0: Yes, bow ties existed. <laughs> Alright. Uh, so the Tie LN's engines was one of the most uh, precisely manufactured uh, propulsion systems in the galaxy, and with no moving parts with low maintenance, unlike the Tie before it, the Tie LN uh, sported independent generators for the engines and the weapons. So that's how they the the reason they move so fast is because the propulsion systems are the like top of the line advance. But due to that, the lack of the combat shields, hyperdrive and life support systems and con concre- uh concrete with the advanced engine design reduced the mass of the fighter uh conferred exceptional maneuverability. This also made both inexpensive and quick to replace. So, with it being a very high mobile starfighter, he has barely much of any combat systems. At least with shields and a hyperdrive. And, sadly enough, there is no life support. So, if you, like, run out of fuel, out in the middle of, like, deep space, you're kind of SOL. Or, you know, if you... A wing gets shot off, you're also... Kind of screwed, so
1: yeah. The Empire's not really concerned with the life of their pilots.
0: No. (laughs) Oh, one's gone? Alright, cool. Let's grab another one off the street. (laughs) Pretty much. Or, well, I mean, within canon, they go to an actual academy. But, uh, yeah. Primary armaments of uh, was a pair of LS1 laser cannons, uh, coupled with a powerful sensor, sensor suite. Uh, the cannons were relatively powerful; with a well-placed hit on a starfighter or medium transport, could damage or destroy it. It did not carry any missile tubes, but such weapons could be added if necessary. So, yeah, going back on the whole missile thing, they did not carry missiles normally. But they- they could if they truly wanted to, but I would imagine most ties didn't because the whole movability like they want to be able to maneuver as much as fast as possible and imagine they wouldn't that's where the time bomber comes in
1: you know now that I think about it, so both the x wing the y wing and the a wing I believe could all be fitted with an ion cannon or ion Something with an ion, mm-hmm. true, which is mainly used to like disable ships, to be true. boarded or mm-hmm. the Tie fighters.
0: It's a straight up laser,
1: <laughs> which doesn't make sense to me because I I know the Empire's evil and everything, but they. They can't want to kill everyone. They're after. There've got to be some things where, like, oh, well, we need them alive, so we. Can, well, like,
0: I mean, if you make them. a well placed shot at a ship's engines, you could disable it that way.
1: Yeah, but well, you're just as likely to cause a chain reaction to blow it up.
0: Fair enough. That's true. That is all. It's that's like, true.
1: It's like, could I hit it with an EMP? Could I hit it with a grenade? I could disable with both right
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty good metaphor actually
1: <laughs> saying
0: oh, that's actually yeah um due to the lack of life support systems each type pilot had a fully sealed flight suit superior to, to the rebels counterpart the absence of the hyperdrive also rendered the uh the Fighter totally dependent on a carrier ship when deployed in uh, enemy systems. TIE LNs also lacked laning gear, another mass-reducing measure. So, as you can see, I mean, if you ever watch Star Wars Rebels, and you see all these, like, small transport ships, like, carrying TIEs, that's basically what is going to be carrying the TIE fighter through all all multiple systems through their hyperdrive. Because they don't have their own.
1: Right. And uh Yeah. Did the Arc Fighters have hyperdrives?
0: Now that you mention that, I'm not entirely sure on the top of my head I, I know
1: the Y Wings did.
0: Yeah, the Y Wings did.
1: Right. I but th- I mean like the Jedi Starfighters didn't have hyper drives. They true,
0: had they had to go and use the their hyper circle the hyperdrive circle things yeah i can't remember what they're officially called but i i think the arc 170 did i think it'd be kind of weird if they didn't for that starfighter the jedi ones i can make sense because how small they are and how the jedi ha- can use that small style of starfighter to move as fast as they and Maneuver as well as they can. Right. But, yeah, no. That is a topic we can discuss later. In the future. So, while the ships were structurally capable of sitting on their wings, they were not designed to land or disembark their pilots without special support. On imperial ships, ties were launched from racks on the hangar bays. Okay, so you're just reading, like, going over that every time we see a, now a TIE and cannon just land on its wings is, like, not correct?
1: Well, we don't see the standard TIE fighter ever land on its square wings. Sometimes we see them... Oh, I
0: guess go- you're right. They, but they're yeah. supported
1: by, like, they have, like, scaffolding where the pilot could get up and get into there. And if you think how they're carried in ships, think about the opening to Force Awakens where Poe and Finn are trying to escape in the tie, and it's tethered to that, and they can't get out.
0: Good point. Now that you think, now that you said that, yeah, all the ties that we have have, like, the uh, folding wings. Every time we saw one yeah, land, like, it was, like, a special like, uh, tie. the Which,
1: second sister tie fighter. Yeah. Poland.
0: The Inquisitors. Even, uh, Moff, uh, Tar um, not Tarkin, um, Gideon. Moff Gideon, he had a folding tie. Oh, crap. Hmm. Maybe the Darn. <laughs> um, so, power conduits were attached between the engines and the solar arrays. Uh, ties were designed to attack in large numbers, overwhelming the enemy craft. Standard attack squadrons consisted of 12 fighters, while full attack wings were made up of 6 squadrons holy crap, so most attack squadrons are like, so each squadron's made of 12, most attack wings are made of 6 squadrons, that's what, 64 ties in an entire attack squadron? 6 times 12, 64? Something like that? No? 72. Sp- Seven, geez math's hard <laughs> don't quote me on math <laughs> 72 ties that's even worse than 64 well, look,
1: here's how I had to do it because I was like trying to do the math and everything in my head and then I was like okay well 12 times 5 is 60 so add 12 72
0: well crap okay that yeah okay <laughs> so yeah that's a lot of ties for an attack wing that's almost 100 ties for an attack wing Makes sense. Uh, the Imperials used uh, so many that they came up to be considered symbols of the Empire and its might. They were also very cheap to produce, uh, reflecting the Imperial philosophy of quality or quantity over quality. Makes sense. Uh, contrary to popular belief, the ships did possess ejection seats... But the nature of the space uh, warfare often resulted in pilots riding their craft down to a swift and rather than ejecting, risking slow death by heat loss and oxygen starvation in the vacuum of space. Huh. Or, or, they just blow up because the TIEs don't have enough response to, uh, eject since there's no shields. So there's that <laughs> the ejection ejection system was more of a formality than anything else given the delicacy of the craft by the time by the time enough damage was done to require the pilot ejecting it would likely be already destroyed itself well oh, there you go <laughs> something i just said uh the design choices the tie Allen Could arguably be explained by Imperial military philosophy, which viewed the starfighters and their pilots as expendable assets, though Imperial pilots were also an elite stock. uh, They were also expected to consider themselves expendable in accordance with the ideological training, which is terrifying. And then other Imperial pilots consider TIE Fighter pilots to be suicidal due to how expendable the TIE Fighters or Starfighters were. Which also makes sense. I mean, generally during, during the time the pilots kinda of perish with the ship. Yeah. Uh, Like stormtroopers, TIE pilots had their own identification, such as uh, DS-61-2. The first two uh, letters indicated the posting, the next two or three digits uh, indicated the squadron number, and the last number indicated the pilot's ranking in the squadron. This procedure reduced them from being no more than anonymous and standardized operatives of the Imperial War Machine. This attitude was further rejected by the lack of sentimental attachments to particular TIEs by TIE pilots, unlike rubble pilots who often grew attached to their craft. As far as they were concerned, every fighter, whether reconditioned or factory fresh, was identical. They were considered to be nothing more than tools, much as the same way as the pilots were. Which kind of makes sense there. I mean, with TIEs being mass-produced as they are, compared to where the Rebellion had a very limited number of starships, um, and then the pilots being, like, assigned to that fighter, and they're stuck with that fighter, unless, you know, they go down with it. Kind of makes sense.
1: Right, I mean, and... It's also, like... The Empire is evil. Of course, they don't yeah. care about the people. Yeah, God. they don't.
0: Ah, they're yeah. expendable. It's whatever. We we have plenty of other candidates to bring in that will be willing to fight. Uh, a disadvantage of the, fight, uh, of the fighter was its lack of deflector shields and combat pilots had to rely on the TIE Allen's maneuverability to avoid damage. The cockpit did incorporate crashing webbing, a repulsor lift, anti-gravity field, and a high-G stock seat to help protect the pilot. However, these did not... did next to nothing to help protect against enemy blaster fire. It helped against the G-force when you're flying so fast, but that's basically it.
1: Have you ever worked like in a warehouse or a factory? No. This very much feels like the... We have these because we have to, safety regulations, but we got the bare minimum. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Hey, here's something, you don't go against, like, galactic law.
1: (laughs) I feel like what they have is, like, what their insurance company mandates them to have. Right. Like, you can't (laughs) insure a car that doesn't have seatbelts. Mm-hmm.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if there was something with the Senate, like they passed a law is like, hey, you need to have this sort of regulation, and the Empire is like, okay, we'll do that, but only that.
1: <laughs> we'll do that, and we'll do it badly. Yeah. But we'll do it.
0: <laughs> uh, however, despite its last lack of protection, the fighter uh, was at least able to survive glancing hits. Uh, such as when the quad laser cannons on the Millennium Falcon were able to hit a TIE fighter without actually destroying it. The TIE LN starfighter's obnoxious, I think that's how you say it, uh, twin ion cannons were also notoriously easy to sabotage, sabotage. As it takes, it's, uh, all it takes is moving an energizer out of alignment for a TIE recharge systems for them to become time bombs. Oh, that, that's empty. Uh, the side view of the Ty Allen's uh, radio uh, panels curiously resembles the emblem of the Confederacy of Independent Systems, but it is not clear its simula- uh, similarity was intentional. The front-rear cross-sections of the fighter was designed to be small to make it difficult to hit with blasters, but the side panels proved easy targets for flanking enemy, uh, flanking enemy pilots. They were also hampered by the fighter's Ability to maneuver while in the atmosphere due to their distinct shape, Ty Ellens came to refer to occasionally as eyeballs by enemy pilots. And that's what we have in Legends. And that is kind of interesting how the side panels look like the emblem of the Confederacy. I did not realize that.
1: Yeah. Also, like the thing that, like, that's what they make, like, makes them easy to hit from the side. It makes me think of in a new hope when they're escaping the death star and they're in the gun turrets and you get to the fence of the little radar and it's like 90% the tie like side wing. It's the the wings. Yeah. (laughs) Like hit there, hit there. That's where you hit.
0: It's the target on the ship. Just hit that. Just hit it. You're done. You don't have to do anything else. You know,
1: stormtroopers can't hit anything. They have easy target tie fighters. I mean, it's like the Empire wanted to be overthrown.
0: Yeah. I. I this is a little side tangent, but uh, I mean, it's like if you're talking about the Empire, like the issue with the Empire was the fact they went quantity over quality. That was their issue. Like if they focused on more quality. And you what we all knew they had the credits to do it, to have the quality there. I think they would have been pretty almost unstoppable if they focused more on that and sort of like, "Hey, we're going to pump out as much as we can and not care."
1: I mean, think about like, isn't that how corporations are though? Like, true. <laughs> I mean, you work for a. Uh, I'm not gonna. But you work for a I work for
0: I work for a gaming corporation. Yeah, I understand that.
1: And I'm nine. I had a friend who worked for the said gaming corporation. And I'm 90% sure that their, like, management system and everything for, like, sales and everything is terrible.
0: I mean... No comment on that. I wouldn't say it's terrible now. But, yeah, we'll... we'll go on from that. Um, I think this is a good time to go to the break.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's go on to the break. (laughs) All right. Welcome to the middle show where we talk about everything about the podcast that doesn't have to do with the lore of Star Wars. And so it's at this time that I want to thank our patrons, all of our patrons from every tier for supporting us. We greatly appreciate your support. And we do, I believe we have a new patron since.
0: Our last uh, episode. no, it's still, um, still the four. Uh, we, we called them all out. Uh,
1: oh, I didn't know if we had called it out or not.
0: Yeah, we did. Uh, so anyway, thank you to all the pretty patrons sure
1: who are there.
0: Um, um if you would like, I would say that? if we didn't call you out, I'm pretty sure we did. But uh, I just call out Morton again, um, for yeah. he signed up for our Jedi Knight Sith Lord tier. Um, so thank you for supporting the show.
1: Yeah, uh, if you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com and find the link and support us there. Various tiers with various benefits. You can go there. We greatly appreciate it. Another way to support us is to leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. If you leave us some words, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. And yeah, that's uh, oh. And you can join our discord the cups podcasting and more you can come and hang out and talk to us about Star Wars you can talk to us about my other podcasts the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, cast the Dragon Age Lorecast, or come and talk about random things that we just talk about or other games or the new House of Dragons series or whatever. Um,
0: By the way that looks good.
1: Yeah, I'm um, still
0: curious how it's going to go though because it's not like isn't it all a new material.
1: Well, it's there's technically a book series. Uh, It's based on Fire and Blood.
0: Okay, I'm not not huge in the Game of Thrones, so it's right.
1: So then, uh, so they're not having, and it's like a complete series, Hmm. so they're not having to make up stuff. But yeah, so you can come talk to us, hang out there. You can also join us on the Robots Radio Discord. We're there too, hang out with us there. So yeah, I think that's all I got. You got anything, Ben?
0: Uh, yes, I do actually. So, um, I will be start uh, streaming games on our this channel, the Holocron Histories channels on Twitch. Um, I'm going to try and I'm aiming to become an affiliate with the channel. So, um, come join me. I'm going to start streaming. I don't have like a streaming schedule yet because I'm still trying to figure that out. Um. But I've been streaming, like, Star Wars the Old Republic, MMO. Um, if there's any games that you guys want to see me play, I'll be down to play almost anything as long as I have access to get the game. Uh, I do have Knights of Old Republic 1 and 2 available on PC, so I can stream those. Or I th- might have some Battlefronts. I would have to see. But, yeah, um, yeah come join me on there. Uh, I will tweet out when I do go live. um, And you'll also be notified if you follow the channel.
1: Yeah, sounds like fun. All right. Well, let's get back to it.
0: All (coughs) righty. All right, we are back. And now we go into the canon of the TIE fighter. So, with the canon, following the transition from the Galactic Republic into the authoritarian Galactic Empire, the Republic-era weapons and equipment would continue to be utilized through the Imperial Sphere. As time went by, the Republic's ETA-2 Actus-class Light Interceptor and the ARC-170 Starfighters began to phase out roughly five years after the proclamation of the New Order. Um which is sad cuz the arc 170 is a fantastic starfighter. I love that thing.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome.
0: Uh the Empire's original governor of the Alderaan territories, Gran Moff Wilf Wilhuff Tarkin, his first name is Wilhuff.
1: Yeah. That's so I just call him Tarkin.
0: Yeah, like, that's a weird name. All right. Uh, commission Sonar Fleet Systems create a line of single-pilot, short-range starfighters for the Imperial Navy. Tarkin mandated that the weaponized fighters should be extremely fast and maneuverable, energy-efficient, and inexpensive to manufacture. Oh, so it's Tarkin's fault why their starfighters suck. That makes sense.
1: Which... You know, it might just be like because Tarkin is all about ruling the galaxy through fear. Like everyone needs to be afraid of the Empire, so that they don't rebel. And you know, maybe having expendable pilots that like they can just produce in mass is part of that fear yeah. of like you are there is such a force that you might as well not resist because we don't care about the lives of our pilots and we'll we'll sacrifice them so that you can be destroyed.
0: That is true. I mean, we see in Clone Wars how. There was a Clone Wars episode where Anakin goes rescues Tarkin, and you can tell Tarkin already had this ideology even during the Republic, and it was like kind of terrifying to see. Yeah. So, uh, Riath Sinar personally designed the fighters, uh, basing them off designs from the Star Courier Alpha Three Nimbus Class V Wing Starfighter, and the ETA Two arctis class light interceptor the result was the center spherical pod position between two hexagonal solar energy collecting wings okay so the wings are solar collecting
1: yeah the eta fighter is the jedi star fighters we see in oh okay the, the ones so that have the, the, the
0: triangle fighters
1: not the triangle ones the ones that are like spherical and split down the middle oh that
0: have the, yeah okay yeah uh, I'm thinking the previous Jedi Starfighter.
1: The ETA-1s. ETA-1,
0: okay. So I never knew the names of those. I just call them the Jedi Starfighters. (laughs) Uh, To minimize power drain and maximize movability, Cinar ensured uh, typically standard systems such as deflector shields and a hyperdrive. After a series of test flights, the Empire... ...approved Senar's design and executed an uh, exclusive contract with Senar for production of the TIE fighters. With TIE TIE pilots instructed to ignore their own well-being in order to achieve their objectives... ...the fighters were extremely fragile and the pilots expendable. With the Imperial Navy's vast size and unchallenged reign over the galaxy... The use of the swarm tactics in subsequent mass production and refreshment of the vessels barely put a dent in the imperial manpower and industrial capacity. Hmm, <laughs> makes sense. Uh, the low-cost production also spurred the craft's use. As a result, many features were sacrificed to facilitate mass production thus in our fleet systems factories. Tarkin, an excellent pilot in his own right, was known to think very poorly of TIE fighter due to his cramped cockpit and seamlessly disposed nature.
1: Well, then why did you commission it, Tarkin?
0: Yeah, no kidding, especially since he's a pilot himself. Like, really?
1: <laughs> hey, I did this. Oh, this is really bad.
0: Right. <laughs> Imperial fighters also acted as a psychological detergents to potential... Sedasis activities with their roaring engines inspiring fear in those who heard them leading to Imperial commanders to order their pilots to purposely fly low over areas that needed reminding of Imperial might so yeah as of earlier we talked about there's screaming banshee sounds strike fear into the people because it's noticeable
1: that's why you always see the TIE fighters on Lothal and rebels flying like right near the buildings
0: Makes sense. Uh, As as part of the five-year plan for the industrialization of the Outer Rim territories, TIE Fighters were produced on a number of planets, including Lothal. The Empire also gave some of its ties to Loyalist companies to help secure interests, including the variant such as the Mining Guild TIE Fighter, which we do see in Star Wars Rebels when they go and steal um, fuel. From the gas planet. Where we see the whales. We see space whales. That's where we see those ties. Uh, While the Empire's rule was absolute for years. Rebels began to arise as early as the year into its reign. And an early rebellion against the Galactic Empire was waged. The Spectres fought Imperial forces including TIE fighters on Lothal. And later joined with the Phoenix Cell. So with that being said, that is the during the events of Star Wars Rebels, we see that to where, like all of season one is on Lothal, so mainly mainly on Lothal, but uh, yeah, they constantly take out Ties on a regular basis, but it's only a couple Ties at a time. It's not like a like mass majority of Ties.
1: Right, but they also have a big understanding of how TIE Fighters work. Like, they sabotage them, they hack them, they do all kinds of things.
0: Yeah, literally, isn't, like, the first episode where Sabine's in, like, a TIE Fighter, um, like, docking area, and she literally just explodes an entire facility of them? Yep. Okay, that's what I thought. Um... In 2 BBY, Mon Motho brought various rebel cells together as the Alliance to restore the Republic. While Tie fighters could engage unarmed and slightly defend uh, defended Soviet- civilian transports, they faced more formidable foe in the form of the Alliance starfighters. Following the destruction of the First Death Star, the classification between army and navy pilots referred as groundhogs and vac heads. Respectively was uh recited, and the Imperial Military was undergo a mass reorganization. Which I don't know anything about that. Neither. Um after the rebels hijacked the Imperial, one class star destroyer, Harbinger, Luke Skywalker, and Santa Staros used the stolen TIE fighters to uh, to patrol, which I believe those are the comics. Um because a lot of luke's adventures between episode like 4 and 5 and the between 5 and 6 is mainly in the comics mm-hmm. um as well we see like you, you know luke get a yellow saber and everything before he gets his famous green saber and then over time a variety of other models rose from the timeline including notable vessels such as the tie interceptor the tie bomber the tie experimental air superiority superiority fighter the TIE Defender uh, multi role starfighter and the TIE Reaper attack lander um, partly in direct response to faster and newer vessels manufactured by the Rebel Alliance which the TIE experimental I believe is the TIE advanced which is what Vader uh, flies and it's only like one of its kind kind of a thing because it is shielded, as we said earlier, it has, tor- uh, has um, missile tubes and hi- uh, hyperdrive and everything what a normal starfighter would normally have, where everything else does not. Uh, a variety of the submodels of the Thailand had arisen throughout Imperial history, with Sonarv factories experimenting with localized improvements, producing advanced models suited for flying in local conditions and incorporating secret technological breakthroughs. Ships such as the Tie Advanced, the one Starfighter, would see as used by fl- uh, flight barons and the high-ranking members of the Inquis uh, members of the Inquisitors. However, its extreme cost would later uh, re- regulate its successor, the Tie Advanced x1 to be flown only by elite pirate pilots and members of the imperial hierarchy such as lord vader by the time of the battle of endor the thai interceptors made up 20 percent of the entire of the empire's starfighter fleet which that's actually pretty uh like I did not realize tie inter- inter- Interceptor is like made up 20% by the Battle of Endor. That's kind of insane.
1: You see them all over the place in the Battle of Endor.
0: Uh, following the Battle of Endor, Imperial supply shortages would hinder the production and further development of the Thai uh, LN Starfighters, forcing Imperial-class Star Destroyers to make do with an inadequate number of ships and inexperienced pilots. Go figure. They're all broken. Uh, production data was classified, but according to numerous estimates, Sanar manufactured a minimum of approximately 4.6 million Imperial Starfighters for Star Destroyers, other Imperial Navy vessels, and Imperial garrisons and defense stations. Most estimates maintain that more Imperial TIE fighters were operational at the same time than any other starfighter in history. 4.6 million... And the Empire was, what, in power for, what, close to 20 years? 20?
1: 30, 30 years. 30 years? Um, yeah. So, so, A New Hope is 19 years after the end of Revenge of the Sith. Okay. And I think, so, maybe 25 years.
0: Okay. It was between 25-30 years. Still, though, like, within that time span 4.6 million that's insane (laughs) well if we're thinking like our terms that's that's ridiculous in 25 years of that much produced
1: right and like you think about the empire their rate of like industrialization and expansion like they probably would not have been able to sustain themselves for very long because like I mean in that time they completely decimated the world of Kashik, like oh yeah and easy they just mass produced mass produced I don't think but I don't think like longevity was Palpatine's goal it was just like no. get whatever I want
0: yep I'm going to take over the galaxy and I'm going to do it That's basically it he did it until he was thrown down a reactor chute but alright oh, <laughs> So uh the legacy of this uh TIE Fighter, uh the legacy of the TIE Fighter was not forgotten on the Galactic Stage, with Sinar Fleet Systems successor Cinnar Jamus fleet systems producing the latest generation of TIE Fighters util- utilized by the Empire's successor state the First Order. So <laughs> not only does the Empire fall, but then you know thirty years afterwards, when the First Order is around, Cinnar is still making the same ships for basically the same people. <laughs> eh. uh, the TIE SF, uh, Space Superiority Fighter, and the TIE FO, Space superior. Wait, what the heck? Okay, I guess they're the same type of fighter. Uh, so you have the TIE SF, which I think is Special Forces, and the TIE FO, which is I think is just First Order... Uh, Were a direct continuation of the imprint of the TIE Fighter on Galactic's uh, Citizenry. And featured advanced weapon systems and two seated arrangements for uh, for use by the uh, Order's Special Forces. So that is, if you watch the very beginning of Star Wars Force Awakens, when Poe is escaping the Star Destroyer with Finn, they're both in one tie. That is a Special Forces tie. And where you know Finn is on a rare gunner seat and pose piloting like he normally would be, which is probably one of the best advancements for the ties, honestly, because then you have you don't have any blind spots uh future historians would argue that the flaws inherent in the tie fighter design were allowed to remain if only to increase the Empire's uh, dependency on Sonar fleet systems for continued production of the craft, along with the increased dependency of the uh, Kuat Drive Yard's capital-scale carrier ships. Which, and honestly, I wouldn't doubt that. A, co- uh, a corporation specifically has a design flaw, so they would constantly resort back to that company to make more yeah
1: yeah that tracks
0: the amount of credits they wrecked in is on a crazy scale the empire made a lot of
1: people rich
0: oh god yeah oh yeah and so now we go to the behind the scenes of the t- uh, tie fighters so this is like you know when they're making the movies and all that uh industrial light and magic ilm uh colin Cantwell created the concept model of the established TIE Fighter ball cockpit and hexagonal, hexagonal, hexagonal panels designed for a new hope. Sound designer Ben Brook created the distinctive TIE uh, Fighter sound effect by combining an elephant call with a car driving on wet pavement. So that's where we get the sound. It's from an elephant and a car driving on wet pavement.
1: Interesting. I think I remember hearing that in the um, Empire of Dreams documentary, which is on Disney Plus. If you want to go watch it, it's a great little documentary which about the Star now, Wars. Now
0: I need to watch that there. And there is a new documentary coming out for Obi-Wan coming out, I think, next month or something like that. Yeah. So the original uh, Ty Ellen fighter seen a new hope was were orig- uh, relatively white. It were originally meant to have a maroon hull, one of the benefits of slightly reddish color would have been that the fighter models would have been as prone to blue spell as gray models were uh, during filming against blue screens. Interesting. Uh, however, film composition tests revealed that the maroon tripped blended too quickly into the vastly black starfield and moving away from the camera, so a light gray was used instead. The TIE Fighter model was featured in Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Eye were a blue-gray. Which makes sense, I mean, back in the 80s, or like, late 70s, early 80s, you had to do what you could. I mean, there was, there was, like, I know they had blue screen, and they, I'm pretty sure, had green screen during that time. Yeah, they had yeah, green screen. I screen.
1: mean, that's that's why they uh, went away from the blue on the X Wings because it mm-hmm. wouldn't show up against the screen.
0: Uh, combat scenes between the TIE Fighters and the Millennium Falcon and Rebel Alliance X Wings and A New Hope were meant to be renamenscent. Re- men- God, I can't speak today. Of uh, World War II dogfights footage, editors used World War II air combat clips as placeholders while Industrial Light and Magics completed the movie special effects. Now that's kind of cool. They took actual footage from World War II and basically used that for Star Wars. I mean, you had to do what you got to do back then. We don't, they didn't have the tech we have now.
1: No, they did not. It's pretty amazing what they did accomplish. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: the TIE-LN fighters are one of the two starships available for to Imperial players in Star Wars uh, Battlefront. The other being the TIE-IN Interceptor. Compared to the X-Wings and the A-Wings, TIE fighters lacked shields but instead possessed good mov- movability and speed. However, their large wing panels make them great. Very easy to hit in dogfights, giving rebel fighters a slight advantage to ship-to-ship engagements. And then the ultimate star Wars stated that the TIE fighters built on with had shorter wings uh, as explanation for stylistic choices made for the TIE Ellen's design in the animated series, star Wars rebel. However, rebels wreck, uh, rebels, rec- uh, recon inside always to there are on star Wars.com uh, said that there were no differences since Pablo Holgado confirmed that on Twitter that the Ultimate Star Wars was incorrect. Which, I mean, I don't even know when Ultimate Star Wars was, because it's a book. I don't know when that was. I am. Um,
1: obviously, around created. the time of Rebels. Mm
0: hmm. And then the reference book Star Wars Rogue One The Ultimate Visual Guide was the first reference book to identify the Starfighter as the TIE LN Space Superiority Starfighter. It also refi- uh, defined the LN uh, within the Starfighter's name as standing for Line Edition. So, that's it. That's the behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. Um, Lots about TIE Fighters. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just remember that whenever you hear that TIE fighter screech, just remember that it's an elephant elephant and wet tires.
0: Elephant, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Every time you hear the Starfighter, yeah, it's literally just, hey, remember it's an elephant. You're just listening to an elephant in the car.
1: Yep. (laughs) All right. Well... Remember elephants and cars and don't sign up to be a TIE fighter pilot because odds are you're going to die in some fiery explosion. Oh, yes.
0: Yep, without a doubt.
1: All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Holocron Histories podcast. We'll see you next week.
0: And then may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at swhollowhistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the mob man! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next.
1: War never changes. Does it, Bonnie? No, it certainly does not.
0: True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts.